Well, tonight I want to kind of build on uh, what Scott talked about last week. And Scott, I just want to say thank you. You did a great job um, leading us in the Word last week. And, and, and Scott, just to give you guys a recap for those of you who weren't here, talk to us out of 2 Corinthians 5, 17 about being a new creation in Christ. And when we come to know the Lord that um, the things of the earth are gone and that we are renewed in Christ and we are defined by Him now. And Scott gave us two really cool examples. One, he did uh, the, the crab apple tree. I don't know if you guys remember that. He had the, he had the crab apple tree and then he had the, the apple tree. And he was talking about how the crab apples produce these, uh, these little, bitter, gross, not good for anything fruits. But it looked exactly like the apple tree that produces these beautiful, red, delicious, nourishing apples. And he talks about, you know, when we become believers in Christ, God comes in and, and, he, and he, he cut them both off. And then he took the, um, the apple section of the tree and he, and he grafted that into the bottom of the, of the crab apple tree. And he talked about how when, when Jesus is on top, when he's defining who we are, then that fruit that is being produced is a good fruit. And it is no longer known as a crab apple tree or even a crabby apple tree, but it's known as an apple tree. And its fruit is good and its fruit is true apples. And, and so anything below that can still produce, if a, if a twig sprouts out or something, it can still produce the crab apples. But on top, once it's grafted in, it's the, the good fruit in the apple tree. And, and, and you know, Scott, it took me back to, to thinking about uh, God being the vine, you know, and, and we're grafted in there. And the good fruit that is produced from that as we become his believers and his children grafted in to the vine of truth. And then he also talked to us about the guy who was attracted, well, not in the beginning. He was this kid in high school who was defined by two things, right? He was defined by girls and by food. And that was kind of what he lived for, a lot of guys do. And that was who he was and what he did. And then one day the track coach came and said, hey man, I would like for you to come out and try running on the team. So he gave it a whirl and he realized, man, I am a great sprinter. God's given me a gift there. And he began to be redefined and redefined himself as a sprinter, right? And then all of a sudden, the two things that were his weakness, this beautiful girl with an amazing apple pie comes up to him before the big race and says, I would really like to get to know you. Can we go hang out and eat this apple pie together? And he said, you know what? That'd be awesome. But you know what? Right now I'm a runner. I'm a sprinter and I have to be prepared for the race I'm about to run. I can't be distracted. I can't indulge in those things. So you're going to have to wait. And this guy had redefined himself, right? He'd gone from this person who was driven by food and by girls to this person who knew he was a runner and had a purpose and was moving forward in that. And so, Scott, I just appreciate you bringing that message to us of being renewed in Christ and a new creation, of bringing our identity in Christ no longer in the world, no longer seeking to be identified our successes in, in what the world says is success, whether that be money or, or fame or the big house with the white picket fence, a dog and two and a half kids. But we are defined by Christ and who he says we are. We're that new creation in him. And as I thought and prayed about, okay, Lord, what, where do we go from there? What, what do we need to talk about next week? Where are we headed? And so that's where this title comes on, What's Next? Because now we as believers have been, we understand that, that we are renewed in Christ. We are a new creation, created in him, identified in him, looking to him for our success, looking for him for who we are. But what's next? Where do we go? We're on the mountaintop. We're here. We're ready, Lord. But what's next? What happens next in our life, in the journey of faith with him? 
And so I want us to jump back into that same scripture where we were. 2 Corinthians 5, um, we're going to pick up in verse 16. It should be up there for you guys. But let's just read that together. It says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, and this is where we were last week, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Mm. It's good stuff. So what's next? Here we are standing, this new creation. Where do we go from here? And if we dive back in there and we pick up in verse 18, if I can find it, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Let's start right there. What is all this? What is all this that Paul's referring to there? What is all this that's come to us from God? If we read before, we see this new creation that seeing people through not the world's view, as Paul says, we want to view Jesus, but now through a heavenly view, through the, through the eyes of the Spirit, Right? Seeing them not as a, a successful businessman, but a child of God. Seeing them not as someone maybe who was rude to us in the line, but someone who doesn't know the love and the peace of Christ. Paul says all these things, this new creation, this new way of seeing things comes from God. Who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. He's committed us to the message of reconciliation. We therefore are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And that's the next key word right there. Therefore. Now, most of you have been speaking the English language for a while, I assume. Yes, have I. And anytime we see a therefore, what does that mean? That means something was said before that that is now drawing a conclusion, right? Therefore can also be because. Because of that, here. Because of X, here's Y. Okay, so therefore... So, if we jump back in there to verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. So there's the next step right there. Paul gives it to us. We are ambassadors of Christ. We have been made new. We've been renewed in Christ. We are a new creation. But now, we are ambassadors. And we're going to come back to that therefore in just a minute. But what's an ambassador? Anybody? A representative? Anything else? What's another way of defining an ambassador? Do what? Somebody who goes out on behalf of, okay. Matt, what were you saying? Okay, so they're associated with something. They're associated with somebody or, or, or an organization. Or I, I think governmentally, I think of, of an American ambassador in another country, right? And they go and they represent America, right? When they meet with the dignitaries, they speak on behalf of America. And what they share with them, that's what America believes. That's what America is standing for. That's what America is saying. So much to the point that they bring America to that nation, right? Because the embassy is American soil, right? So these ambassadors are there representing America. This, the, an American ambassador is there bringing America to that nation, standing on behalf of America, speaking on behalf of America, and I think, man, cool. 
Because how much more do we stand to gain being ambassadors for Christ? You know, and as I was reading up on this verse a little bit, one guy said, um, the current understanding of an ambassador doesn't really equal that of a biblical understanding of an ambassador. And I got to thinking about that. And, 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 and his key point was when you look at the, the true Greek meaning of ambassador, it's, it's the older person or it could be an envoy. So they were these messengers or a messenger. So they were supposed to be the older, wiser who knew the truth, bringing the message out. But I got to thinking, you know what? That's very similar to what an ambassador is today because what are they doing? They're bringing the message, right? They're supposed to be acting in the knowledge that they have. They're supposed to be speaking from the knowledge that they have and carrying that message forward as truth. So we get to be ambassadors. Why do we get to be ambassadors? We go back to that therefore. What comes before the therefore? Well, if we jump back one sentence before, it says, and he, God, has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. So because... God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are Christ as ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So what's the message? What's the truth we carry as God's ambassadors? Well, let's go back and read a little bit more. And in these next verses, I want you to see if you catch a theme that Paul is throwing out here. Catch a word that he likes to, that he likes to quote. We're going to start in verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Does anybody catch a, a, a theme there? Catch a word that gets repeated over and over again? God, reconcile, that's right. Five times in four verses, Paul throws out reconcile or a derivative of that word, reconciliation, be reconciled, reconcile, the ministry, the message of reconciliation. So we stand here, new creations, Reconciled to God as ambassadors, messengers, carrying the truth and the message of reconciliation. Now, what is reconciliation? To be reconciled is to be restored. So we stand here carrying the truth of a restoration of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. A relationship that was broken so long ago in the garden when Adam and Eve chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And the relationship was broken. And you fast forward to Christ on the cross and we being reconciled, our relationship to God being restored through that sacrifice. As Christ puts it, the new covenant sealed in his blood. It's available for all. So we are the ambassadors and God has entrusted us with the message of reconciliation. The message of a restored relationship to God through Christ. So what's next? What's the next step now that we know that we are a new creation in Christ? We are no longer defined by the things of this world, but we are defined by Christ. The next step is that God now implores you as his children to stand firm and be the messenger of reconciliation to all those around us. 
to be the messenger of that restored relationship through Jesus Christ to those he has put in our lives. Where do we go from here? Because that's a cool thought. And that's a great thing to know that that is what God is commissioning us to do. And, and we read about that in the Great Commission and other places. But to know that, that we have that, how does that affect who we are? How does that affect where we go from here? There's a couple things I want to point out. One thing is that if we are going to be a messenger of reconciliation, if we are going to stand on behalf of God and proclaim the truth, then you know what? I think we need to be pouring into him and learning as much as we can. So are we, as those commissioned to be his messengers, are we pursuing him and learning all that we can about him? Are we saying, Father, I want to proclaim your truth, but I need to know you better. I need to know you more. So are we learning and are we seeking the Father? Number two, another half of that really is are we being discipled by someone? Is there someone in our life who is more mature in the faith that we are coming to, who is pouring into us, who has the right to call us out on the carpet and say, what are you doing right here? Are you glorifying God in this? Do we, is there someone in our life who has that right? Is there someone in our life who is pouring into us and discipling us? Is there someone that we can go to and say, hey, I'm trying to stand for Christ right now, but I don't know what's going on. I need some guidance. I need some help here. I need someone to bounce an idea off. I need someone to tell me I'm stupid if I'm being stupid. I need someone to tell me I'm on the right track if I'm on the right track. But do we have that person in our life who is discipling us and who is challenging us and who is helping us to grow in the Lord? So that one's kind of twofold. Are we pursuing the Father ourselves in our own time? And are we putting someone, are we seeking someone out in our life who will be discipling us and helping us to grow, to be better ambassadors for his name, to be better representations and to speak clear the ministry and the voice of reconciliation? And the second thing is this, is there someone in our life that we are now pouring back into? Is there someone in our life that we are now discipling? Is there someone in our life that we are now enabling and helping to become a better ambassador for Christ? Because you see, that's the heartbeat of the church next door is that, is that we go out and we, we are those messengers, right? No matter where we are, we get to know the people in our neighborhoods. We, we go and do laundry love. We, uh, you know, we get to know those people and, and build relationships. And, and, uh, and we, we go and pull weeds or we go and we adopt the, the um, battered women's shelter. We do all these things to build these relationships and to invest in them and to share the love of Christ and to share the message of reconciliation. But what happens what happens when they come to that point and they accept Christ? We celebrate, but then are we done? We celebrate and we have baptisms and we, we get excited, but it can't stop there. That needs to be the point that we get even more excited because now here's another one standing firm for Christ that we get to invest in, that we get to equip and send out to affect so many more lives that are a part of theirs. Does that make sense? So we need to be, as these ambassadors of Christ, we need to be investing back into other people. We need to be investing, whether that's through your missional community, whether that's through a, 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 somebody you have coffee with once a week. I don't know what it looks like in your life. But do we have that person that we are persons that we are giving back and we are investing back into? So we get to know the Father and we get invested in. And in those things that he gives us, we invest back into others. So as his ambassadors, we move forward. 
I like how Paul puts it here. I'm going to jump back just real quick. The second half of 20, he says, As though God, uh, we'll just read the first, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And I wanted to come back to that because I love the way that Paul phrases that, as though God was making his appeal through us. And I want you just to think about that for a second. Let it resonate in your head and your heart. Because, you know, I, I think back to, to, not that I was there, but when Paul, you know, even he met Christ on the road to Damascus. He went and he spent this time and, and um, getting invested in and learning and growing. And, and then he was preaching, right? And then they were about to kill him. So he went to Jerusalem and, he, and the disciples were there. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go hang out with the disciples and learn as much as I can and get, get to know them better and, and be discipled a little bit. And they're like, no, no way, man. You can't come in here. He's, he's, not, he's not really, he doesn't believe. He's the guy who's been persecuting everybody. He's the guy who's been killing everybody. And, and, and who is it that comes and, and, uh, and stands on his behalf? Barnabas. Um, but he comes to the disciples and he says, no, I saw him. I saw him in the synagogues proclaiming Christ. He's the real deal. And he stood on his behalf, right? And he proclaimed the truth for him. And because of that, he was ushered in. And he got to be with the disciples. and got to hang out. And got, it says he got to walk freely throughout Jerusalem. In other words, he was accepted. He got to be there. It's Acts 9, I think, if you want to look it up. So there he was standing on Paul's behalf, proclaiming the truth, convincing others of the truth, convincing others to accept him and to know it. And that's what we get to do. I love the way he phrases that. As though God were making his appeal through us, that we get to be the ones who make that appeal for Christ to all those around us, to let them know the truth of the ministry of reconciliation. So as we make that appeal, are we allowing ourselves to be taught? Are we being teachable? Are we learning from the Father? Are we seeking His face, coming to know Him more, coming to stand better in His truth because we understand better who He is? And then are we giving back what He has first given us in discipling others and investing in their lives and getting into the healthy tension of a relationship with those people, getting into the healthy tension of the truth and this brings me to the last point that I want to throw out for you guys tonight. And you're getting a lot of like mini sermons in one, so just hang in there. But the last point is this. When we become Christ's ambassadors, we become a new creation in Christ. There's not, how do I phrase this? There's not this model over here that we then have to form ourselves after to become the perfect ambassador. And what I mean by that is this. God has created you uniquely and individually to be the best ambassador that he has called you to be. I love in Psalm 139 where it says, he knit us together in our mother's womb. And if you flip over to Ephesians 2.10, um, just to read that to you as well. Um, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I think about those two pictures. I think about God knitting us together in our mother's womb. I think about God being so intimately involved in who we are and being his workmanship where he has created good works for us to do in him. And when I think about that, it's just confirmed to me even that much more that God doesn't make mistakes. God created you to be who you are for a reason. God gave you gifts and he gave you talents and he gave you characteristics because he knew that in using those and in coming to give those back to him, you could be the best ambassador for his glory that he created you to be. 
Now, are there things in our lives that they may have to purge out of us? Yes. Is there pride that maybe wells up inside of us that God needs to, to work out of us so that we can humbly come before him and hear and receive from him? Yes. Is there maybe alcoholism that's plaguing us and God needs to deliver us from that? Yes. But who you are is who God created you to be. If your way of relaxing is to do advanced calculus equations before you go to bed, okay, not mine, but if that's yours, you know what? There's somebody else out here that loves to do the same thing. And when God brings you together, you can lead them to the Lord by showing them the absolutes that are in math and letting those tie back into the absolutes of a God who created that system. That there are absolute truths here in a calculus equation. I don't even know what one looks like. But (laughs) to the same thing that there are truths here in a God who says you are loved, you are forgiven, you are my child, my grace is sufficient. God has created you. And when we are drawing our identity in him, when we are drawing who we are from him, then you can carry that message forward to those people. And there are people in your life whom God has put there that you can touch that no one else in this room can. Or if they tried, they wouldn't get nearly as far. Case in point, when I was in college, uh, my roommate was a football player. I obviously was not. One day we walked into the locker room. He's like, man, I need to get something. We were hanging out. I was like, okay, I'll just come with you. And like I walked, I like opened the door and walked into the locker room. And it was like the, the cartoon westerns when the guy walks into the saloon and everything just stops. That's what it felt like. Like everybody just stared at me. And it was kind of like, who are you in our locker room? Because you are not one of us and you don't belong here. And I was just kind of like, oh, man. And he was like, it's cool, man. He's with me. And they're all like, oh, okay, hey, what's up? And they started talking to me. And I was like, dang. But I was thinking, you know what? I can never reach those guys. Yeah, I built some relationships with some of them through my roommate and got to know them. But to be in the midst of that locker room and to try and share the gospel, they're not going to listen to me as well as they are going to listen to him. Because they, they know him. They have a shared common interest with him. They trust him on that football field. They have a respect for him. And they know what he says goes. And so God has given you those gifts and those talents for a reason. Don't try to hide them, thinking that that's the best way to reach other people. Let him nurture you in those things. Let him teach you better in those things. And let it be the common ground that is a catapult for the ministry of reconciliation. Let it be the door that opens that the gospel can be proclaimed in their lives. So what's next? Next is we get to be ambassadors for Christ. Next is we get to be the light for the world. We get to be that city on a hill that's not easily hidden. We get to begin that journey of ever growing in our faith and ever proclaiming the truth of the Father.